You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. This is the All Access Legends podcast. Our next guest is a 12-year veteran of the WNBA. She attended North Carolina State University, where she went on to lead the program to their first Final Four appearance in school history, Chastity Melvin. Welcome to the All Access Legends podcast, brought to you by the National Basketball Retired Players Association. How are you today? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Awesome, awesome. So there's so much that I want to cover today. I want to start, however, at the beginning part of your career. How did you get into the game, and what values did you learn at an early age that were instrumental in your growth as a player? I started playing basketball when I was in the fourth grade and we had intramural games in elementary school and my classmates and people were saying, you should play your tall. And I was like, come on, please just play with us. I had never picked up a basketball and I got on the team. The coach put me in the game. And after I made my first shot, it was just exhilarating. Like I went home and I told my mom, I know what I want to do. I want to play basketball. <laughs> I don't even know how. I what was what was her reaction to that? <laughs> she was she. I mean, she had. I have two sisters and two brothers, so she's used to us coming home and telling her different things. So she, of course, was positive and said, "That's great, baby." You know, she had no idea. You I, also got to get your degree. Playing. Yeah. So she was like, um, she was happy for me. But after that, I couldn't stop playing basketball. I started playing outside with the boys. Um, instead of just playing outside, I actually went over to the court and started playing with them. And I had to get my grandmother to kind of get me on the court because they wouldn't let me play at first. So she came out to the basketball court and she said, does everybody eat when I cook? And everybody was like, yes, ma'am. She was like, well, Tassie can't play with you guys, and Tassie will be the only one that eats. <laughs> and, you know, you pretty much know how it went after that. I got to play every day. Yeah, so... <laughs> Who who was your biggest influence kind of growing up, and who kind of pushed you into to playing basketball? I just, once I started playing, I, I just really got into it. And then after I started playing, I actually started going into the living room with my dad and my older brother and watching the NBA. And I really started following it with them, and I, I just started saying, I'm going to be a professional basketball play, player. And I didn't necessarily say I was going to play in the NBA, but that's all I saw. And as a young kid, um, but I do remember my uncle taking me uh, to a, uh, my first basketball camp, and I beat one of the counselors. I was actually in the ninth grade, and I beat one of the counselors in a competition. And I, after that, I said, I, I know I'm going to go pro, you know, <laughs> even though it was a D2 school. But yeah. I was like, I, I know I'm going to go pro now. So I came home and kind of told my mother, I was like, I'm going to be a professional basketball player. And she said, Were well, you a competitive Sorry, were you a competitive kid growing up? I I wasn't compet I wasn't competitive before that. I did what normal small town country girls did. I went outside and played with the other girls. Um, I wasn't into dolls and stuff, but I was just outside. I guess we were jumping rope or running around playing tag. But I I didn't get really competitive until I started playing basketball. 
When was the first time that you got a taste of success that you kind of really thought, you know, this can be my future? I would have to say AAU basketball. Um, just playing AAU basketball and playing against some of the best competition across North Carolina and people that obviously became rivals as I went on to college. Um, just my first experience with my AAU basketball tournament and going to Tennessee and, and California and seeing all these women play and then doing really well and scoring a lot of points in the game, I was just like, oh, I'm, I'm good. Uh, you know, I came back after my first AAU tournament. And I told my mom, I was like, I can really play. I, I can really be good, you know, so – that really kind of instilled that in me, confidence in me. And once I saw the, my first ACC women's basketball tournament and I got an autograph from my favorite team at the time, which was NC State, um, I just that kind of like solidified it because then I saw women at the college level doing it. Why was NC State your favorite team? Uh, growing well, up, that year that year I went in Fayetteville. I was in the tenth grade, and they actually won the ACC tournament that year. And that's the first time I had ever watched it and seen it because they didn't really put the games on television. And my parents, I was from a very small town, 1A high school, had 92 people in my graduating class. Um, we did Damn. not leave my town. Wow. So that was my first tournament. And so I didn't know that Carolina and Virginia had been good. They won that year, so, you know, the winners get fans. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I graduated from a class of 1,000, so... A little bit bigger. Yeah. So take us through kind of the, you know, fast forward a little bit, the, the, you know, when you were deciding schools you wanted to play at, you know, why did you decide NC State, you know, aside from it being kind of one of your favorite schools, but, you know, what was that process like? It's funny because they, they became my favorite team, but I, my family was kind of a uh, UNC fan. We was followed Carolina, and they really can't. Carolina, NC State, a lot, I mean, every college recruited me, but I really told people very early I wasn't leaving North Carolina. And Coach Al and Coach Hatchell were icons here in North Carolina, and that's basically, those were my top two choices. Mm -hmm. And it really came down to the wire between both of them. And I just felt like I wanted to start something new at NC State. They had kind of gotten off track after Andrea Stinson graduated and Rhonda Mapp and some other good players. And Carolina was winning at the time. And I took the, I think I took the hard road. You know, you see two, two roads. I did, I think I did take the hard road, but mm -hmm. I just felt a connection with Coach Al that kind of put her over the top. Mm -hmm. And and also the fact that I wanted to kind of cement my own history on a, with a program. No, I get that. Um, and then what, what was your first couple years like at NC State? You know, was was there a big learning curve, you know, you know entering the college game? You know, what was that like? There was a huge learning curve for me when I entered NC State, um, coming again from a small town, 1A high school. I was just a very talented player, but I don't think I had been coached that well, and I definitely didn't have basketball trainers growing up. My trainer was the dirt court outside with my cousins. So I had to learn a <laughs> lot nice. of things about the, <laughs> yeah, the fundamentals of the game and um, get, get a, a better IQ for the game, and Coach Al was very instrumental in that. Um, so she definitely helped me become a smarter player to go along with my talent and just correct some bad habits that I had from just playing outside and just playing basically off of my talent. So that was extremely important. And also just the culture change, you know, being outside of my small circle where I was really comfortable coming into a, a huge school like NC State and 
um, playing with different teammates that came from different places all over the world. I mean, that was the first time, you know, you're kind of a naive kid. And yeah, like, right. Okay, everybody grows up like me. No, <laughs> they don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a town of, you know, graduating class of less than 100, you know. Yeah, Crazy. yeah. So um, that was not the case. So there were a lot of different challenges, and I really hated it my first two weeks. I really called my mom every night crying. I don't think basketball's for me. I can't do this. I'm lonely. So what got you through that? Initially, um, she bought. She would come get me every weekend and take me back <laughs> and graduate. You know, my parents <laughs> were college. They're like, "You're going to play, and we're not. We don't have the money to pay for it, and you're going to graduate." So, sounds sounds like my sister. That. <laughs> That's funny. You're not coming back home. Yeah. So where else was I going to stay? You I have no have choice. I had a dorm room at the time. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So you really achieved a lot of, you know, you got, it seems like you got better every year, kind of culminating to your senior season where you, you named a Kodak All-American and, and you really, you know, took the program to their first Final Four in school history. So, you know, what was that like? And, um, you know, what can you attribute to, to the success that you achieved kind of year over year? And, and what was your, you know, this is kind of a loaded question, but, you know, what, what do you remember most about that magical season? To answer the first question, um, to improve each year, I think it was just um, what my parents kind of instilled in me and the things I learned from my small town. I mean, my grandparents, my parents um, didn't go to college and, um, you know, didn't have the opportunities I had, but for they had a lot, a lot of wisdom. And I think for me, just that strong foundation to know that even if I failed or even if I had challenges or things never were so hard. They were challenging for me and hard, but I just looked at it as like an opportunity. Like I have an opportunity that so many people didn't have, you know, not only in my family, but just my friends. And I had basically the entire town, like living vicariously with me. So that was better (laughs) because you didn't want to, I didn't want to let them down. Coming from a a town that small. Yeah. Yeah. That's in a sense is what drove me to get better and to show everyone that, you know, you can be successful no matter where you come from. And then and then, what, what was your favorite part of that season? Do you have a favorite memory? Uh, the favorite part was just basically losing and being demoralized in the ACC tournament. Uh, that was my senior year. We had a great season that year. I just knew I was going to win my first ACC tournament. We got killed by Florida State, who wasn't really good at the time. And um, that was pretty much for my senior year, it was – demoralizing because I'm like okay are we going to get in the tournament still like you just never know because it's NC State and you know you're you're kind of still always on the bubble <laughs> always you know? so um, uh, we had that meeting and I just didn't quite know how you know what would happen you know so we were really excited we were that team that was really excited on ESPN uh, too when they announced that we were in and for me um, I just think I told everybody this is a new season for us and let's take it one game at a time and everything I had worked on up until that point I felt like I got a new season to kind of show everything I had learned and I uh, that helped me be a better leader during that magical run but it was just great you know focusing and taking it one game at a time and and I back then we didn't have social media thank god (laughs) but I did read the newspaper and I do remember playing uh Connecticut when we had uh beat ODU and Gino was like I'm just looking forward to celebrating my birthday tomorrow to the win. Yeah. And uh, I posted that on the board for all my teammates and I said they're not celebrating. And there was no celebrating. 
There was no That's for sure. So it was just an unbelievable experience. And I, I, I'm in Raleigh now working for the Chaos Cancer Fund, and people still come up to me all the time and say, thank you so much for that experience going to the Final Four. Like, they still remember it. And for me, I remember we lost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, but, you know, now I appreciate it a lot more because it's ingrained in, in a lot of the fans and just people who support NC State, and they just say it's one an unbelievable ride. So, what was it like to I, be I really in that locker room during that run? You know, I, I, you know the, I guess what pops in everyone's head is the Loyola run this year. You know, what is it like to be, you know, during the tournament, you know, having games, you know, every other day, you know, and, and winning. What What is that like? I think, um, you know, I've had some friends and heard stories about artists and actors and actresses and, like, the real celebrity lifestyle. It's a little bit different from being an athlete. I think that's the – that feel would be like being a rock star. Like, every game and traveling and having the – it seemed like – the entire state of North Carolina, or just women's basketball fans, like we went from playing in front of, I don't know, less than 3,000 at NC State, if that, to playing in front of, you know, big crowds, and then reaching the Final Four, and people just asking for our autographs, and we're just like, what? <laughs> you want my autograph? <laughs> so, it, yeah, it's like, yeah. you want me? Like, you want my <laughs> so, I guess for the first time, we felt like rock stars. I was like, this how rock stars feel. And then we had like the police in front of, you know, escorted from the bus. And we're just like, what? I came from a small town of, you know, (laughs) yeah. And and for every one of my teammates, that was the coolest part. And I think, you know, I mean, I'm sure a rock stars, obviously it's on an entirely different (laughs) level, but you felt like a rock you know? Cool. Yeah, felt like one. Cool. Um, so I guess I want to ask, you know, about UConn. You know, you beat them to get to the Final Four. You know, they've had such a such a sustained run here. You know, almost for the past two decades. You know, what does that say? You know, about the program that they've built and kind of about the women's game. You know, in general. Well, you just have to give a lot of respect to Gino and his coaching staff and the culture he's developed there. He's developed a culture, and that's what basketball is all about. He developed a winning culture, and it's not something easy to do or easy to sustain. But once you get that culture, it's like I talked about. My foundation from my hometown helped me. You know, maybe they didn't have all the education in the world, but I, had, I came from a great culture. And at NC State, we were just kind of forming it, and then, you know, the seniors graduated. And, I mean, like I said, it's difficult. It's, I mean, it's extremely difficult to just – get a winning culture like you see it with golden state now you've seen it with all the great franchises to develop that culture where everybody's on the same page the people that you get in the organization are top notch or just understand what it takes to be successful and that's hard to do so you got to give you no props for that absolutely it's been i don't think we've seen anything like it and i don't think we will see anything like it so really a testament to the work that gina well pat summit did it first she created it yeah I guess, yeah yeah i guess you're right there i i and you have to you have to bring in consistent talent, and that obviously comes from your assistant coaching staff. And some that can't really change. Gino and Pat were able to kind of keep, especially their um, head. I mean, associate head uh, associate assistant coach was there with them for a long mm-hmm. time. So that's consistency. 
a lot of college coaches are switching assistant coaches two to every two to three years. Interesting. That's hard to maintain what type of players you you know coming in or to convey what your head coach wants. So that has a lot to do with developing that culture and kind of keeping it year in and year out for four years before you. That's years. interesting. I, I didn't know that. That's cool. Um, so I guess uh, – you know, you entered you entered the WNBA in 1999. You, you had a 10-year, 12-year uh, career in the league. Um, you know, what was that experience like? You know, playing in the league, going from you know, uh, you know, so much success in college and even in, in before that. You know, was there any um, kind of hiccups or challenges that you experienced in, in kind of your first couple of years in the league? Um, the hiccups and challenging. I mean, the, the the two challenges for me. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, the professional sports is just a beast on its own. But first, just recognizing that professional sports is a business. Um, as long as getting wins and having fun, it's, it's definitely a business. So you have to kind of, some people grow into that business approach sooner rather than later. And then the second thing was the different coaches I had. Uh, I wasn't as fortunate enough, and a lot of professional players aren't, to be in a system where you have a coach three four or five years in a row. And I think for an athlete, that helps them a lot. Of course, unless you're LeBron James. <laughs> unless you're LeBron James, you can do whatever you want. Kind of play for, uh, yeah, like any kind of coach with any kind of player. Uh, for me, I played for I played in WA for 12 seasons. I played for eight different coaches. That's tough. So I had to play under a lot of different systems. But I, I say now, okay, God, there was a reason for that. So I think that's what will help me, you know, as I aspire to coach in the pros, that I play for so many different coaches and so many different systems. And to have the longevity with that, I adjusted to each system I played in. You know, I figured a way to make it work, even though I wanted the ball and I felt like I scored. I should be the star under every coach. That was not the case. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I had to figure out what can I do in this system to still start and to still yeah. play. Yeah, I guess you're right. You know, you found the pot, you know, you played eight different coaches in 12 years. You've really found the positive in that in terms of, you know, you know, in terms of your coaching career and, you know, learning what you like and what you don't like. So I like that. Yeah. I, that's what I tell it. I mean, if, if, when I, once I get that interview, I know they say, they asked this lad, make a last statement. And I said, well, I learned what not <laughs> to do. Yeah. You yeah. Know? I don't want to say a lot about coaches because I understand it's very challenging to manage, you know, especially the pros, 12 egos, um, sometimes 15, but at the end of the day, I did take things I, from different coaches and different st- systems that I learned not to do, you know, obviously my parents. Yeah, and that's what they always tell someone that, uh, you know, is in a job that they don't like. You're like, oh, you'll learn what you don't like about it. Yeah, you'll learn what you don't like. You'll learn what players really hurt players or cause dissension on the teams. And it, it may not even be the coach's fault, but you just kind of learn the things that, players have a tendency to even if they don't kind of like it they'll respect mm-hmm. it and then you'll have you'll learn the things that because it's not what players like or don't like it's what you can get players to respect and what works and so now i kind of know hey like players are not going to respect this yeah. at all <laughs> do not do no that. and i mean you you have the experience and knowledge to know that so that is good yeah cool. Yeah. So, so I want to kind of transition over into kind of the discussion about the WNBA and kind of, you know, the national profile of the league. You know, what are your opinions on kind of where the league's at right now and what can the league do better to, you know, grow its audience kind of nationally and globally? First, I would like to say that, you know, the WNBA has done a great job. I mean, for me, I'm very appreciative because they gave me a platform to play here in the States. 
And I think when we first started out, we were pioneers, just like everyone else, just like the NBA started out. And we have to grow the league, and, you know, players are going to get different experiences because of the first couple of players that came in. Um, there's uh, The talent level obviously has increased. For me, I, you know, I, I've talked, spoken to some of my friends who were in college were like, who actually played for coaches, like, why are you pushing us so hard? Like, we're going to graduate in four years and we got to get a job. Like, we're not going to play pro. As opposed to, I did work four years thinking I was going to play pro, even though there wasn't a professional league. And so now the young ladies have that in college, where they are trying to become the best and get drafted, not I'm filling out, you know, an application and trying to get an interview for a corporate job. <laughs> so I think that's why the talent is, is um, so much better um, and it has improved drastically because players are actually getting trainers, trying to learn how to be a pro and, or trying to learn how to get drafted as opposed to before players, the most talented players got in the league. Now, you know, across the board, 1 through 12 on the WNBA, 11 on the WNBA team can be a starter. And there's just not enough opportunities and teams for more talented players to get into the league. Um, so uh, with that being said, just things I think they need to do is just like the NBA, you just got to kind of make sure or find a balance of keeping the veteran players around, keeping them as um, director of player personnel or having them in the front office because the fans that started with us are diehard fans who really support the league. And it's a different fan base from college to pros. So you kind of want to nurture that and grow it. And I think, you know, just keeping some of those former players around in certain areas would definitely help the league. Yeah, I agree. And I don't think there's any shortage of talent in the WNBA, that's for sure. And I think, you know, Adam Silver, I think it was about a month ago, was on ESPN, and he was saying how it's more of a marketing problem than anything. You know, the talent is definitely there. So, you know, I'm very interested to see where where the NBA kind of goes and kind of the strategy that they take to kind of, uh, you know, and you said that the audience is different in the professional game, the college game. So it's kind of interesting to see where where they take that. And that's across the board. That's even in in men's professional Mm -hmm. sports. I mean, that's NBA and and fans that follow men's college basketball. I mean, they could love a player in college basketball. That doesn't mean they're going to go – follow that NBA team that they get drafted mm-hmm. or even go start watching the NBA, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, they might want them to come back and, and be at fundraising events <laughs> or get to meet them, but they're not – those diehard college fans are college fans for a reason. So it's that's across the board. I, I agree And I think once – you like, like Adam Silver says, just the marketing of where are our fans, who are they, and nurtures them and grows Exactly, them. exactly. The All Access Legends Podcast is brought to you by the National Basketball Retired Players Association. 